Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Omar Project. But before we get started, I want to make sure I invite you to join theomarproject.com. That's spelled O-M-A-R, because you can get a lot of great insight on project management, the skills you need to up your game, and also learn from the best project managers in the world on the most complex projects. Hello, this is Omar Morales with The Omar Project, and welcome to another episode. For those joining on YouTube, welcome. I am going through a series right now on the PMP exam. So if you are familiar with this book called PMP Book Guide 6 Edition, we'll be going through it. And let me know, give me some feedback on how this is going, if this is helping you with your studying for the PMP exam. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about the project charter and what that actually means. Now, the project charter is kind of like this. It sounds very formal, like the project charter, we need to get the project charter. It's like a British term for getting this formal process. But really, the project charter can be very simple. It depends on your organization. So if you have a small company and you're 50 people or 10 people, you're not going to go through this super complex project charter. Your project charter honestly could be an email that says, I, CEO, would like to install a new building and I need it for 50 people and I need it by this date. And this is the amount of money I'm willing to spend on it. That could honestly be a project charter because that gives somebody the authority to kick that off. Now, I would be assuming if he's sending that email to somebody on his leadership team that can go get it done and then that person kicks it off and then boom, there's a project. That is the like, simplest form of what you could consider a project charter. But the true definition of a product charter is really it's initiating the project. It's what's taking a project from the idea and the concept of like, hey, that's a good idea to actually going in and saying, hey, let's go do this and let's put some real money behind it and some real resources behind it. So it's the execution of the idea into a tangible, a resource loaded project. Now, there's a couple of important things that the PMP guide says that you need to have on the project charter. It's going to give you this long list. And honestly, if you're studying for the PMP book, you need to know it. So I'll go through this with you and I'll kind of explain to you what each of those mean and how they can look in different size organizations. So the first is project purpose. Now, for something as simple as a building, you're going to say, well, we're going to expand and we need that purpose. For more complex projects, which could be building a new facility for your gigafactory or building a new manufacturing plant, your project purpose is going to be a little bit more complex because you're going to have different units. You're going to have different things that need to be tweaked and not everything is just, oh, just go build this plant. It's going to be, hey, go build this plant because we want to increase output by X amount or by this number. So you're going to have more ranges or more goals that are quantifiable in your project purpose. You are going to want to have some project objectives. So what that means is let's use the example of a gigafactory and we are the latest battery manufacturer and we want to build a new plant to produce one gigawatt of battery power per year of product. So in that objective, you're going to have your time. So we want this to be done by X date or Q1 of whatever date is the time that we would like this completed. 
You're going to want to have your success criteria. What does it open up for the business? So success criteria is we have a quality product and we're producing X amount of throughput or X amount of tons of batteries or gigawatts or whatever megawatts of batteries per month that allows us to operate and execute starting in Q, you know, whatever quarter of whatever year you want to be done. Some high level requirements. Now, this is where it gets tricky. The higher up you go in the organization, the less detail you're going to get. And in a project charter, if it's truly taking the idea from the idea phase, implementation phase, you're not going to have, unless you've done a lot of due diligence, you're not going to have a lot of information to put down on your detail requirements are. So all you're going to have is your high-level requirements. So it may just be as simple as like, hey, we want this much throughput. This is the size we want to be selecting. This is the location of the plant. This is how big it needs to be. And this is where we want to have it. So that could be as simple as what's in the project charter to be determined later. Like you have to do a lot more digging, but somebody's got to kick off this project. Another key thing is to put in the overall project risk. And this is an interesting question because if you've ever read like a report from an investor or like any sort of public company, when they say the investor statements, they always have that kind of And the risks are, if we don't do these things, then the stock could go down. The company lists a whole bunch of risks, and some of them are projects. Like if this project doesn't execute, then that could be a risk. Well, in your project risk sheet at a high level on a product charter, you're not going to be able to go into super detail on all the risks you have. That is something that happens once the project gets kicked off, and it's called a risk register or risk workshop. And you actually go through and you bring in a bunch of people in the room and you talk about risk. At the project charter stage, you really need to be talking about high-level risk. Like, what are the main things in the industry that are going on that could prevent this from happening? What are some key labor issues that could prevent you from being successful? What are some commodity price issues that could prevent you from being successful? And is there anything in the market or in the economics at a macro level that prevents this project from meeting your objectives? Those are the things that you're looking at at the charter level. You don't need to get too much more into the weeds because you're just kicking off this project. You're going to have plenty of time to go into the risk. Really, the way this process works is you get this project sanctioned. There should be a stage gate or something that, that you start then go to in, within a couple of months, maybe six months, maybe less, where you've now done all the due diligence and you're basically now saying, okay, we've done a lot more research. We have a lot more information. These are the new risks that we want to define at the secondary levels or the third levels. And here's why we think we should continue to go to project because we don't see anything new or here's why we should stop because, oh crap, we just found out that commodity prices shot up 300% and uh, not going to be a good idea to do this project because now your, your cost or your MPVs, your return on investment is just thrown way off. So if that happens, you need to stop the project and just cancel it and go to the next one. Summary milestone schedules. Now, summary milestone schedules. I have a whole blog on completing schedules and high level. And a summary milestone schedule is considered a level one schedule. It's basically what are the key activities that you're going to be doing for the project. At the project charter phase, if you're at a big corporation, the people that are looking at this stuff are either VPs, the CEO even, or the C-suite, and a little bit below that. So Nobody is interested in seeing a hundred line item project charter type summary milestone schedule with every single detail of everything. First of all, you can't play with that very easily because it's too much detail. And second of all, nobody wants that much detail at this level. You need to have that detail as a backup. Somebody should work those calcs 
And maybe if you have it very simple, if you've got a scheduler, that's easy for them to complete, but you don't need to show them that much detail up front. So try and keep your summary milestone schedule as simple as you can. Try and break it down into the core components of your schedule. So, you know, pre-planning, site selection, pre-engineering, feed, construction, commissioning, startup, operations. You can have maybe 10 to 15 things listed on your summary milestone schedule, and it's easy to follow along. Once you start getting into the 20s, the 30s, the 100s, it's very difficult to start following that schedule. And honestly, at the phase that you're at right now, this should not be a very detailed schedule. It should be P50-ish schedule where you're giving a range of probabilities of where you think this thing could pan out. Really, the, the idea you're giving on the project charter is, hey, we think our best case scenario finishing is here. Our worst case could be up to here. And as long as somebody approves that, then you're good to go. You can keep going. You don't need that much detail at this point. The next thing it's listing is pre-approved financial resources. This is very dependent on your organization. I mean, pre-approved financial resources just means this. You have the approval to go ahead and start doing what you need to do to make the project work. So like if you have a project, you need to hire a team of people or you need to hire 50 engineers to do the pre-construction, pre-engineering can I go do that? Like somebody's going to be asking like, do I have the money? Is the money allocated in the business so I can go do this? That's what they're looking for. So that can be as simple as saying, you know, CEO sending out a note saying, yes, go do it, go execute it. We're going to have this money budgeted, boom, then go do it. It could be that you have a formal process where you have to go to a project initiation or a project chartering meeting and get it formally approved and signed off by the CEO and the C-suite and saying, yes, I agree to this. We are going to commit to this. That could be another level of approval. It depends on each organization. But at the end of the day, what you're really looking for is, do I have the money? Is it guaranteed that I can go and hire people, go and execute on contracts to initiate this project? That's what you need to get. And that's what you're looking for, whatever way that looks like in your organization. The next thing is a key stakeholder list. I like this only because I think it's funny because at the charter stage, you're dealing with basically high-level people in your organization. So it could be the CEO if you're in a small company, even mid-sized the corporates, depending on how big the project is. If it's a $10 billion project, your CEO probably wants to know about it and sign off, right? So you're going to be dealing with some high-level stakeholders. The stakeholder list is likely going to be, depending on the size of your project, somebody that's higher up in the food chain in your company or the CEO. And you're also going to have a list of people that are going to follow your line, people that are really interested in the project. It depends on the size of the project, but your stakeholders are, and I write an article about this on a blog, are people that are interested in the outcome of your project and they have a vested interest in them. And they can also include people outside of your company. So if you're building a big project and you're building it somewhere that's environmentally sensitive, it can include the local people in that area or town. So this is something that it is recommended that you really are familiar with the stakeholder list. And this is probably an area you'll get pushback on if you're not, and if you don't have some sort of plan to deal with them, especially if it's a sensitive project and there's a lot of political stuff that you have to deal with or a lot of sensitivities around it. Have something, have that one cleared out because it can create issues. Next one is project approval requirements. What constitutes project success? Who decides what project is successful and who signs off on the project? I'm reading through the PMP book guide because you guys are studying for this and y'all should know what's in the guide. But this to me is kind of like a frustrating question when you're in a corporation or you're in an organization that these things are already there because it's very clear when you're in an organization that has a fully developed project process where they, they actually have a project group 
or they have a whole department that just does projects. These things exist. So they're going to be some sort of deliverable that people know what they're called internally within the company. Because the PMP is talking to everybody across the world who wants to get their project management certification, it can change and they have to be very generic because you know, it could be a small business, doesn't have this, could be corporations. It's like, we got to talk to everyone, right? But from what I've seen, most companies that are definitely like a corporation have a project organization group. And this is not something that you would be doing on a project charter. You would just be saying, we're going to use this process and here's what we intend to do. And these are the phases that we'll work through on the stage gate. And here's where, you know, we're intending to use this existing process, but you're not going to have to define and spell out what success looks like and who decides that the project's successful. The organization will already be established for that. Now, you could be somebody that's coming in, you're a smaller business, you don't have a project process. I definitely recommend checking out my other YouTube video about project organizational structures. Or you can have a minimal understanding of what you need there. And then you may want to define this. So it depends. Again, it depends what your organization is asking for. As far as PMP is concerned, you need to know that it's a requirement. And you need to know that these things are going to be required for the pre-approval requirements. Project exit criteria. This is an interesting question. And I think it's a great question because oftentimes we get all excited about, yeah, we're going to go build this big old gigafactory plant manufacturing facility. It's going to be huge. It's going to be $10 billion, blah, blah, blah. And then we never think about the repercussions of like, when do we get out? It's kind of like when you're thinking about marriage, you know, this is a common thing, but sometimes people think about like a, it's like a prenuptial agreement. And like when you're trying to get married, you don't really want to think about prenuptial agreement because you're like, the whole beauty of it is like, you're thinking about the marriage. You're thinking about the joy of being together and you don't want to think about the breakup, right? But sometimes people think that, you know, that sometimes it's very important is to think about that, especially if you have have significant amount of things to lose from it or potential issues where you can avoid them. So this is similar in a project. It's a weird analogy, but it's kind of similar. Like there's a lot of excitement when projects kick off. People are excited. It's new work. People are getting promoted into the project or people are thinking, hey, maybe I can be promoted into this project or, hey, this could do this for the company. Like when this is successful. So there's a lot of positive energy about the project. It's hard to be the person in the room that's like, well, what if this thing fails? And what if we don't have this? Because it kind of gives off this negative vibe or negative kind of thought process. But this is a really critical consideration is to understand what your success criteria is, but then also understand what criteria might be needed for you to cancel this project or the phase. Now, this is something that's kind of built into most corporations' project phases. This is why the stage gate exists. Because as you develop in these stage gates, and if you say you know, project chartering is basically the first stage, it's like it's right after idea. The next phase might be three, you know, you might have to select your design or whatever. And at that point, you'll go to a board if you have a project board, and it'll be the project sponsor, maybe some directors, some VPs, whatever. And they're gonna say, tell me what you're recommending for the next phase. And then you'll present your findings. It'll be financials again. It'll be the project schedule, the project budget, your team structure, major risks. So you're going to present all these things all over again in another three, six months after you've done some more work. And at that point, that is the opportunity where your sponsors or the people that are above you may say, hey, this project doesn't really make sense anymore. Things have changed macro level for the environment and it doesn't look like it's a good fit, or they may be aware of things happening on the strategic level of the business that you might not be 
aware of. And they may just say, hey, it's actually not a good fit anymore. There's this other option that we're going to go. So that being said, exiting criteria is extremely important, but it's very dependent on who is sponsoring and who is looking at the project on these stages. So it's much more important if you don't have these stage gates, because there's already going to be some defined criteria from the the stakeholders that are sitting in those meetings on when they think it's a bad project. You may want to have a chat with them and ask them like, hey, I know this is going to the board. What is a bad project? Or it might be good to talk to some other people that have presented at the board and said, get some feedback from them. This is also something where depending on how big your project is, benchmarking comes into play. Oftentimes at project stage gates, especially before doing some critical spend, people like to feel confident that you've done the due diligence and looked at the risk and that you're competitive. Now, what does that mean? Okay. Let's get into this because this is a very serious thing for people that are doing projects. And it's something that they plan heavily for because the worst thing as a project manager is present a project and it fails because you didn't do due diligence or you did something wrong because you're probably likely out of that company. And also all the people that were hired on that project are now released. It sucks. So one of the things that you can do or project managers like to do, and honestly, people sponsors like to see this is get a benchmark to understand your cost structure, understand how competitive you are compared to the market of projects. Now, In different industries, there are different benchmark styles. When I was in oil and gas, there's companies that specifically focused on benchmarking mega projects in oil and gas, and you could have a benchmark done on your project. What do they do? They go and they ask you for your schedule. They ask you for your budget. They ask you for all the documents you've done. They do a review of them. They provide feedback and you get the score. And if the score is good, then you can go to these project stage gate meetings and say, look, guys. We scored 90%. I got an A plus on my benchmark. We're a good project. And then that gives your stakeholders a sense of external validation that their decision is correct, right? And then also gives them external validation that's kind of been audited in a sense. So that feels good. But that is something that could be part of your exit criteria. You may benchmark poorly or you may benchmark at a rate that's not competitive and that may be part of your benchmark criteria. So it's very important to understand what that exit criteria is because people will be judging your project based off of that. So you need to know what your metric and your exit criteria are. That's key. All right, probably too much time on that one, but if you can tell, that's a sensitive one for me because nobody likes their projects to get canceled. And I think if you do these things, you can avoid having that happen. Next thing is assign project manager responsibility and authority level, blah, blah, blah. All right. So what does this mean? Your project charter is going to then say, okay, cool. We want to go build this gigafactory plant. It's going to be in Nevada. It's going to be 10 acres. And we want it done by two years. At the end of two years, we want operational, start it up and producing X amount of throughput. Great. Who's going to do it? That's the next question. Who do we assign this to? So in the project charter, what they're saying here is select who the project manager is. And this is kind of an easy thing, especially if you have an organization, they're going to already have somebody in mind, or you'll have to hire somebody and put them in mind and say, this person is the person who's going to lead this effort. And then that person then starts to hire their team. Usually, depending on how it works, they may hire, they'll put in a sponsor, project manager, and another key person, like a a key financial person. 
those three or four people will basically be your fundamental core group of the project. And then they'll grow out their team from there. So if what can start as three or four people can end up at being 50 to hundreds of people because they'll then hire their mechanical managers, their engineering managers, their construction managers, which will then hire their teams, et cetera. So that's why that is pretty critical. And also project manager will be the person that's going to be reporting out to the sponsors and the high level people. So they need to be comfortable with that person that they're hiring. So they want to also kind of give them the, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be good. We support them. We talked about the name and the authority of the sponsor or other persons authorizing the project charter. So like I mentioned, there's different levels, how you're going to do this, depending on your organization. If you're in a small organization, you may want to just say the CEO can approve this. The CEO and the board can say, yes, go ahead and do it. If you're in a big organization, it might be the VP or the director of a department that can approve these projects. So this is just kind of like stating who's the person that can approve this project and at what scale of cost. That's very critical because cost can become a bottleneck and slow down your project, especially if you start to get into overruns. So for example, you need to know if your project is supposed to be $10 billion and you're supposed to be done in two years. If you run into an issue during your construction and all of a sudden it costs another billion dollars and you're at 11 billion, does that mean that you have to go to get the CEO's approval? Does that mean that you can manage it at your project department level? So that's why it's critical to understand the level of authorities. And then also this would buy basically be part of your schedule and your estimates. So where does that threshold kind of fit in? It's good to understand because these things do come up quite frequently and it can slow you down significantly if you don't know who the right level authority is. All right. I just went through page 81 on 4.13, develop project charter outputs. I hope you got something out of that. I'd love to get your feedback. Okay. This is something that I'm doing that's new. It's PMP review. I'm sure there's a lot of you that are studying right now for the PMP. You've got questions. Maybe you're not so familiar with projects, or maybe you've done specific niche projects in one industry and you want to understand how they apply across different industries. Give me your feedback. I'd love to understand how this is working for you. And then are there any chapters or anything that you're really struggling with that I can help you with? I would love to do a video from a question like, hey, this chapter is one that I'm struggling with. Could you just walk us through how this one works? Be happy to. And plus, I think this will save you some time on the studying. You can listen to this in your car or wherever you're at. All right. Catch me next time at Omar Project. That's www.theomarproject.com. Catch you next week. You can also find my podcast and videos on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you enjoy your podcast. You have a great week. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to hear more, you can join us at theomarproject.com. That's O-M-A-R. We have a lot more information on project management, technical skills, on the leadership, and also you can hear from more of the top experts in the field. 